Welcome to the podcast. I'm Andy Vauder. My guest today is a lead designer at Furniture Solutions Now in Dallas, Texas. Her name is Arwen McMakin, and she is a lead designer who also is a little bit of an account manager that works directly with a lot of customers. She's a very unique person, and I wanted to sit down with her because her passion for design as well as taking care of customers shines through in everything that she does, including in how she works with companies like ours. Let's jump in and have a listen. Arwen, thanks for being here. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. You are a, so your title says designer and account manager. Correct. For Furniture Solutions Now. Yes. And Corporate Source. Yep. And also FSN. I'm FSN, to Total Office Solutions. There yes, the hybrid yes. There's, there's so many different so many different names there. Um, so you do design and account management. Tell me a little bit more about your current role there. So I started as just a designer and I worked my way to the senior designer role. Um, and then and I don't know, you know Brent Gill, right? He's a, an account yep. manager there too. So the two of us just kind of meshed really well together and paired up. And so we're kind of a team, we're a partnership. And so I can do that role of the account managing and a little bit of the design on the side. Um, and then project management always comes into play as well. So there's many hats there, but it's, um, I think you need to have that hybrid in order to be somewhat successful. Sure. Yeah. So you and you two work together really well. So very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got lots of clients and you're the one that kind of make, brings it all together. Right. And makes it all oh, it's <laughs> in theory, I have to say it's, um, it's a give and take kind of relationship there. Cause Brent has that experience of 20 some plus years of the industry. So he knows the in and outs and then I'll bring the design expertise and then, um, just kind of a good support role to help the hybrid of the two of us kind of go. We also have two other teammates that, um, are solely allocated to our team. Okay. So there's, I mean, it takes a village. You can't do it sure. by yourself. Right. So we're fortunate to is, have that. Is that how your dealership is set up? No, we're kind of the odd pairing. I think it just worked with the way that our relationship is and the way that we mesh well together. I think um, the owner of the company is slowly trying to integrate that into some other um, account manager designers to see how well it works. But it, it all comes down to that chemistry that you have with sure. somebody. Can you tolerate them? <laughs> 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 and their worth ethic. <laughs> well, we have the same thing around here. Um, you know, because traditionally salespeople, like pure salespeople, are horrible at details and Follow, follow up on the back end of things. They just like to be out on the front end of all that stuff. That's, yeah, that can be true. <laughs> it's not, sometimes you find a unicorn that can kind of do it all. But most, most if you want to scale your business, you know, that's uh, not going to happen very well. So, yeah, we, we try and pair, pair up a person that's really good at details and working through, you know, the projects and helping um, all the things that maybe that salesperson is not great at. And then the two together can be unstoppable. Exactly. Kind of Weaknesses on both ends. Exactly. And so then yep. you kind of yeah, bring in those strengths. And and we've made the mistake at times of taking someone who's really, really good at, at uh, you know, the details and maybe project management and try them out in a, a pure sales role because you think that, oh, well, they're good with clients. And they're like, no, I just want to work with clients. I don't want to find clients. Like, that's <laughs> right. a whole different game. <laughs> that is a whole nother <laughs> animal. That's for so, sure. Yeah. we You know, over the years, we've learned how to kind of pair those teams together uh, you guys are like the best example though i can tell you from what oh, from from the in this city we always hear you know the brent narwin um show team Just yeah, the show is, is, <laughs> it's uh, it's well known well documented oh so. well thank you that's good to know so how long have you been at fsn i've been there for seven years now okay okay and how long have you been a designer 
in the industry or in seven years. So um, a little background was I was a stay at home mom actually for 10 years. And then I put myself through school while raising a family. And as soon as I graduated um, my first job, I did the internship with um, a company and then to do a full-time job, I went straight to FSN and had been there ever since. Fantastic. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. That's really, that's really awesome. Well, thank you. So seven years, um, you've probably learned a ton. Oh my. Yes. How much, I always ask this question to people, I'm not on the podcast, just when I interact, how much um, did you learn in school that was actually specifically translatable to? None of it. That's okay. (laughs) Same with me. (laughs) No, it's shocking. And even the school, I mean, I went to the Art Institute of Dallas and our whole big promotion was that we get you ready for the workforce, which they did to some extent, but never to this caliber. Like it, it just is mind blowing. It's definitely a, a learning curve. It's a sink or swim kind of industry, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you know, it's changing constantly. Too. Exactly. So even in seven years, um, what was, what was typical back, you know, in 2012 is very different than very different. Today. It's always evolving for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you didn't start in your current role. You started just as a designer. Yeah. Okay. And then just started working your way through it and meshing with the right people and success happened. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't have that personality to just sit back and, and do design and, and that's it and mm-hmm. let the jobs come to me. I think maybe a little aggressive in, in a sense. And I want to be in front of customers. I want to be in front of people. I want to learn this. I want to do that. So I just kind of weaseled my way up. Sure. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can call it that. <laughs> it's also success. Or, yes. You know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it could be, yes. Sure. Um, so how, uh, what are some of the biggest things you've learned in, in that time? You know, uh, of course, a stay-at-home mom, my, my wife's a stay-at-home mom, so she knows you're learning and you know, all sorts of things there. Oh, my goodness, yes. But coming back to the workforce and doing doing what you're doing now, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned over the last seven years? Well, I think the technology aspect of it has been insane. Um, Just taking the furniture aspect of it in general is that instant gratification and the knowledge the consumer today has just everything at their fingertips. And so they challenge you on that where even seven years ago, you didn't go to Amazon to get a task chair, an office chair, or a guest chair, right? Now you can buy all that and it ships to your door and you got to compete with that. So I think learning the market and understanding that speed to market aspect of it is is a big challenge and learning that people are constantly evolving in the way that we work you think about the younger generation even and they're happy with just a a laptop and airpods and they're good to work and if you leave them alone and give a excuse me a great environment then they're going to produce for you and i think um other companies are struggling with maintaining that as well as maintaining those traditional since older people, if you will, um, and keeping 35 and older. yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> thirty-five, so old, <laughs> um, and keeping them happy in a workforce and mm-hmm. productive as well. So it's, I think it's a big balance over the last seven years of watching owners trying to maintain that for both generations. And then the the furniture industry, uh, I think, has had to really transform even over the last seven years, thanks mm-hmm. to Amazon, because right. traditionally it's a very slow industry you yes you would want to work with a furniture dealer because they can give you all sorts of expertise on space planning and on you know different options and and then put it all together for you Mm -hmm. but it usually took you know a eight ten twelve weeks or longer for lead times yeah nobody wants that anymore and and it's just not okay anymore no (laughs) it's not okay (laughs) i mean there's still manufacturers you deal with that it it is that kind of lead time and 
people are shocked by that. The clients are shocked. But what do you mean I got to wait eight weeks? Right. Like, well, so as a dealer, uh, is that part of your initial conversation with a customer, either setting expectations or steering them based on their demands? So if they're like, it's got to be two weeks or else we shouldn't even be talking. So then you know exactly what to steer them to, or is that yeah, it's part having of the that, process? That dialogue with them for sure. It's it's trying to get an understanding of, you know, wh- I mean, budget always comes into play, but also that lead time. So that's the first question we have. When are you, when do you need to be in there? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we need to be in in three weeks. We're like, okay, well, then your selection is this, this and is it's a selection. small little pod <laughs> here, and you get just this little bit of options. But if you give us four weeks, we can give you a little bit more and. Um, I think one of the benefits to our our company specifically is that we do have that pre-owned aspect of, to it. So we're always offering the solution of, hey, we can loan you some furniture in the meantime. So don't settle on getting something you don't oh, like, genius. but you can wait the extra couple of weeks if we just throw a couple of tables and chairs in there for you so as you a loaner. Can, you can put together something so they can start on Monday, but then yeah. get what they really want. Right. Just wait a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's a partnership. I think that's a customer service is huge, right? That's Mm -hmm. how you get the repeat business and you get the name out there that people are always talking about. Um, You you build a a relationship with your clients and the trust factor and it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. So we all know office space is changing. Office design is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the major changes you've seen maybe more recently, the last couple of years? What would you say? Um, I think that open collaboration theory that sure. everybody wants, right? So everybody wants uh, the large windows and all open, airy space and to see across the entire um, office selection. But then, I mean, that's where your company really comes into play and plays a key role is, but how is everybody on the phone at the same time if we're all in this open, airy sure. area? So then um, it, it's, a, it's a challenge to, to kind of get that mesh, that feel, that look, that aesthetic, but the functionality of it too. And you guys are always expected to be the experts on everything. Right. So it's like, <clears throat> we want this space. A design firm may have designed it or, you know, um, or maybe the customers walked another, you know, a friend of theirs or a colleague of their space. And now they've got an idea what they want and they're coming to you. And now it's your job to not only give them what they're asking for, but also solution. Yeah. Put the whole thing together mm-hmm. for them that actually works. That works. The yeah. functionality of it. And a lot of people kind of forget that aspect of it. I think one of the key questions I always ask too is, why well, are you paper heavier? How do you function on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we didn't think about that. Because they're, you know, when you think of a traditional office, you want the hutch, but sure. n- nobody puts anything in there to. anymore. Mine is a, it's like I have four junk drawers now. See? And they're really deep, <laughs> so I can put all sorts of things in there. You don't need the storage <laughs> anymore. It's all paperless these days. So yeah. Then it can open you up to some some different components that you need. Smaller footprint, definitely get. Sure. Well, and then, yeah, we, we were even looking at that in our office because we were looking to uh, change some furniture out. And we're having some culture conversations with some folks that have big furniture with lots of desk space. And, you know, I'm like, well, but... We're not going to replace that. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're getting something new, it's going to be uh, five foot by 30 inch. Exactly. And it's going to move up and down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're not going to have all the space to put paper all over the place. So we're, we're having those conversations now. So hopefully when it comes time to actually move people into some new space, they... Uh, it's a challenge. I mean, we find that often with a lot of companies. Um, they have their executives even that are they're pulling out of offices and putting them in mm-hmm. the pit, if you will, with all the other people. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I don't have a door and <laughs> this huge 12 by 12 space. They're like, no, you, you have a six by six 
little space to work in and you'll be just as efficient. I assure you, it's, it's just a different mentality altogether. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that kind of that generational play and, sure. and that open collaboration concept that so everybody wants. do you think it's wants. a good thing? I do. I think it is a good thing. I think a key to when you hire someone who's young and new, you want to be able to be visible with somebody who's experienced sure. to see that everyday play, how they function, how they react, how they handle their situation and mm-hmm. good and bad. So if they're behind closed doors and it's all shut and locked in, nobody gets to experience that. Nobody gets to grow and learn from that scenario. You need to have them really close together to see that. It's a visibility. It's a, that makes a lot of sense. do as I do, not as I say kind of scenario, right? right? Like I'll tell you what to do that. I'm going to go into my office and shut my door. <laughs> shut the door, right. You need to focus and make 50 calls today. Right. <clears throat> but I don't I make any. <laughs> don't make any, you know. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. I never I never really thought about it from that from that aspect. So, um, what do you think? If you had to guess, what are where where are we going from here? Like, what are some of the other changes you think might be out there? Um, it's interesting. It's I think for the last three years, if you look back, I was kind of contemplating the the concept of people working from home more and more. But I think nobody wants that, right? Like, if you're home by yourself, you're all hunkered in, you, you don't have that personable skills anymore. And everybody loves to be around people. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody, but the majority <laughs> of us love to be around people. Yeah. So um, I don't think it's going to go into that direction to that extent. But I, you do see more and more, everybody I talk to, well, I work from home two days a week, and then I go into the office three days a week. And so you don't need those larger spaces. And I mean, you see that we work in those mm-hmm. spaces that are just exploding left and right, because specifically with startup companies, they just need a, a place to sit down and have a quick little conference. And they just need a, a Wi-Fi and apparently a coffee machine and a keg, it, it seems, because right. those all seem to be outfitted <laughs> with those. <laughs> um, but I, I think the footprint of the brick and mortar is just going to get smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Which then, for a company like ours, makes makes us happy, if you will. Yes. From a, <laughs> from a growth standpoint, because uh, when you do that, it just requires more and more uh, consideration for acoustical treatments. And how exactly. Do you, how do you make that smaller space more efficient and everybody's time you know, more focused on the job. So that that's where, where we try and come in for sure. And you guys are definitely evolving well with that. I think specifically with you changing your names recently because mm-hmm. of that play of yeah, we're not absolutely. just sound masking anymore. We do all these other things. It's, um, it, I mean, you see it everywhere. It's always a conversation. It's always something that is talked about when you think about an office space for sure. Yeah. And, it, and it's one of those things where we're very passionate about helping dealers like, like your company, um, become experts and how to how do we partner with you guys to make so much easier for you guys to have those conversations mm-hmm. and know what solutions are available so you can walk into a space and give the client what they want but then also protect them from things they don't know mm-hmm. which is usually how acoustics comes in it's they're not usually bringing that up to you necessarily it's it's your job to help educate them on on some of these areas they might have issues with because I can tell you one thing is if, if you don't, and then, you know, we've seen this where they move into their space and then they got exactly what they wanted, right? They said, we want all open. We want everything. Mm-hmm. They move in and then everybody's mad and complains. And it's they a always terrible blame, space to work. And then they always blame the people that gave them the furniture as if it's your fault. Right. <laughs> you know, when it's like, well, you asked for that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's we a tricky business. We could have done eight-foot cubicle walls. If, oh, know. my. <laughs> You still have those somewhere in a warehouse, right? Right, somewhere buried way deep <laughs> yeah. in the dark hole of the warehouse. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you could have given them to them, but they, they wanted something, uh, you know, more open. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's funny. That's that's kind of the, the thing that we're always looking to do is how do we help um, help dealers that we work with 
be experts or become experts mm-hmm. in, in the field that we're experts in. And that, I think it's just going to make you guys much more um, able to give your clients exactly what they want. It's true. Um, and I know you know that because you guys work with us pretty extensively. We do. So. Because it's it's always the afterthought and it's always that um, after they get in and then they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is a terrible conference room, for example. I'm like, well, it's because you have concrete floors and a laminate table and windows like <laughs> it's a drum <laughs> right <laughs> we need to bounce off of yeah, that a little of bit a drum. <laughs> yes yes and cubicles that's i mean because that's kind of a thing of the past it's really the benching scenario these days and so to come up with those acoustical panels to just kind of help or even those beautiful dividers that you guys offer nowadays is um it's aesthetically pleasing and functional so that's that's a win-win that's right story, there right, right? <laughs> if you can, if you can uh, make them dual purpose make them look good and work that's yeah, you, you can't know. beat that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it sells itself. Um, so how are some of the ways that you stay on top of some of these trends? Is it just um, interacting with customers and, and manufacturers, or do you do other things that kind of keep um, you on top of it? you gotta, you got to do other things because the customers don't, they don't know. They're relying on me to do that. So it's really kind of having those relationships with the design firms and the designers and then doing your homework and research at home. Mm-hmm you know, just on the computer looking through design magazines and research and, and whatnot and seeing what those latest trends are because they, they change constantly. And it's my job to know what that expectation exactly. is down yeah. the road to some extent. So it's a, it's a challenge, but if you love it, it's easy. So I'm, this answer might be the same as the one you just gave me, but what are some of the most exciting things about your job? Um, I think the most exciting to me is when we we – start with a company that's a that's startup that three people and in a year they grow to 10 people and then in a year it's 12 people and in a year it's you know it just continues to grow and we have one client specifically that it was literally that scenario it was three people when they started and five years later there are 100 people and we got to grow with them and it's so exciting to see that growth and that relationship and watch them expand and explode Awesome. It's that's my favorite part of the job by far is getting to know those people and watch them just thrive. I mean, that, you know, I, I would most people would look at a designer and say that's that's the job of the salesperson to be all excited <laughs> about the customer, right? I guess that's and the so sales that, and me coming that's out. Where, yeah, that's where you're really a unique a unique person, I think, is because you know your most favorite thing is not when I designed that beautiful office. It's it's interacting with a customer, which is probably makes you pretty successful, I would think. Yes. Um, yeah. At least you enjoy it. For sure. I do. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The design part of it. I mean, I, I love design, but it, it comes down to, I think a, a true designer is to give the customer what they need, sure. not what they want necessarily. Yeah. So knowing that balance. Mm-hmm. So the flip side of that, what are, what are maybe some of the things that are frustrating? Um, it's, that's a great question. It's, it's frustrating when you have clients that don't necessarily trust you and want to take that leap and sure. so you cut back more and more and more and, and the whole time you're just like oh I wish they would just trust me on this because I know that would be successful for them but they just don't want to take that chance and I mean there's nothing you can do about it I mean yep. you can talk to your blue in your face and give examples and, and do what you need to but at the end of the day they're they've made up their mind and it it, it gets a challenge to be challenging so scenarios like that <clears throat> are they are they typically financial like they, they don't want to spend the money on it not or? always I think a lot of it is just the the lack of knowledge they just don't understand um, I don't want to say understand because I explain it to them it, it they just don't see the value in it at the right. end of the day <clears throat> even if it, it isn't financial necessarily it's some people and, and I'm to blame Does too it change? 
it's changed. Okay. It is. It's changed. It's just not wanting to Try to do anything, anything different. different. Yeah. Yeah. I know it this way, and I'm going to do it this way, and it doesn't matter. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How often are you proved right in that scenario? Like, oh. do they move forward, and then like, do you do you get feedback later? Like, um, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I rarely. I, actually, I don't want to sound. Um, was full, but I, I rarely have had a scenario where someone said, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've never heard that. It's always been like, I'm glad you convinced me to do that. Sure. I'm glad that that was the decision we made. You were absolutely right. So, and that's not boastful because that's your job. I right. Mean, your job is to know these things and to put people in the right, right space. So yes, that, that is the best they, part too. Is, they know that's yes. for sure. Yeah. When you finish up a project and then they want you to walk through it and you can see their pride in it too. And they're like, we're just so grateful you walked us through this. And I mean, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you had a magic wand that could just fix anything industry-wide, doesn't even need to necessarily be your job, just in, in general as it relates to the industry, what you do, your company, something like that, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Without throwing anybody under the bus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. That's, um, gosh, I think it's so simplistic in that it just comes to honesty. Like, I feel like that's the biggest challenge that we have is, is we're being honest and upfront and and we put it all out there and we're very, you know, detailed in that scenario. And then somebody comes across and, and, and I don't know that they're not, but it doesn't make sense that they're different than us sure. if they are being truthful. So and it's just that simplistic, I guess. Sure. Magic wand. Everybody be honest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and like if I were to answer that, I would say um, a very similar answer. Like I just want people to be informed about, the reality, right? Right. The truth. Right. Be um, upfront. Be honest. So Expectations. I don't mind losing a project, but if we lose because they made the wrong choice in solution, not not brand, mm-hmm. but like they went the, with the wrong stuff that is not going to solve their problem, that's when we get real uh, frustrated because it's like, now you're going to be mad and you might even be mad at our industry just because you, you went put, in the wrong direction. You put the wrong stuff that applied to the wrong problem, and now you're not going to be satisfied. Right. Um, there are other times where they go with our competition. It's the right solution, you know, and that's okay. I'm always okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not okay with that, right? right? But I'm okay that they went, at least they went with the right solution. So if you have a client perspective, they're going to be happy with the solution they have, even if it wasn't from us. But mm-hmm. the, the worst part is when they, they get uh, tricked or misinformed or go with a solution that's not even going to solve their problem. And, that's where, that's where we get real frustrated. It is frustrating. That I mean, you always hear that saying apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever we have that discussion, it's like, but are we comparing apples to apples? So can you know, do you really need to do your homework and dig deep and see are they offering what we're offering and vice versa? So So the industry is definitely better with you in it. Oh, well, thank right? you. Because you're uh, <laughs> your if your answer is I want people to tell the truth. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's, that's always good. We need, we need more Armands in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, so what uh, what are some of your favorite things to do or one of your favorite things to do when you are not working? Um, I love being outdoors, anything outdoors, whether it's hiking, biking, um, canoeing, anything outside. I'm, I'm good, happy, favorite thing ever. Try to be outside as much as possible. Even in August? Even in August. Even in August. Even, Even in August. Nice. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Just, bring Just jump water. in the pool later. There you go. There you go. Um, and so I guess this, this answer might follow follow suit with that. But if you had all the money in the world and could do anything mm-hmm. that you wanted to do, 
what would it be? Travel. Be outside. Be outside somewhere. <laughs> travel. Yeah, travel all over the world would be um, fantastic. Take the fam and go travel the world. Where is your number one preferred destination or um, I would say Barcelona would probably be top of my list by far for the okay. architectural aspect sure. of it for sure. Awesome. One day. One day. After the kids are raised. There and you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we keep saying. So right. Once they're out, then maybe we can do it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm close. We'll see. I, I got my wife to take a trip to Mexico. Um, my kids are eight and four. Uh, eight and four. And I, uh, there's two birthdays. That's why I hesitated. And I'm like, <laughs> I do know my kids. Age. Right. But the, um, we went to Mexico last year. It was the first time she left the country away from the kids. Oh. And left them with the grandparents. And she was fine. But we've always wanted to go to Europe. And I cannot get her. No. Nope. She's like, you got to wait no, till they're older. No, that's, that's too far. Yep. <laughs> like Mexico <laughs> is a three hour flight. We could, you know, we could jump on a plane and get there this afternoon. It it's not the case if you're in Italy, so. No, that's, yeah. So my daughter went to Italy two years ago for the first time by herself with the school. It was mm-hmm. a school scenario. It was um, very difficult as a mom. She was so far away, and I'm like, if anything happens, what do I do? It's, it's terrible. you got to wait. <laughs> There's no way you're convincing your wife otherwise. Yeah, I guarantee so a it. Solid, <laughs> solid 10 plus years before we're going uh-huh. over the big C. At so. least, yes. Unless you all go together. That's a good that's point. That's what Maybe I anticipate. <laughs> Well, Arwen, thanks so much for spending some time with me. I know you're busy, so we're not trying to take up too much of your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. um, I I know you're a great partner of ours, and your company is, and we really value that. And um, I want to bring you in because I know you're doing some some unique things, and and I really appreciate all your expert information that you shared with us and and for being here. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks.